You are listening to the Delay and Pray podcast, episode number 49. Welcome to the Delay and Pray podcast, where certified Catholic and weight loss coach Beth Bubick teaches you how to permanently lose weight through spiritual fasting. Get ready to gain faith and lose weight through a joyful transformation of both body and soul. Now, your host, Beth, the Catholic Fasting Coach. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. I am continuing my series on getting fit in body and soul. The Delay and Pray group coaching experience helps all aspects of our body and soul, not just the food or the sacraments, but also through exercise and movement and so much more. I have a guest on today that's going to discuss all of this with me. When we talk about movement, we do mean exercising by ourselves for like mental or physical gain. This would include, you know, getting out into nature for a walk or hopping on the rowing machine or elliptical, maybe lifting weights in the gym or taking an orange theory class or Pilates, like all of these things, these are great ideas. We are also going to discuss connection through group sports and utilizing our brains with our bodies and souls to have fun with one another as God intended. And this requires use of complex motor movement that exercises many areas of the brain. And this is important at any stage of life. This is a mental and physical and spiritual experience. This is about our prefrontal cortex coordinating with our motor cortex, the hippocampus, and many other areas of the brain to move our bodies in a certain pattern that also involves learning. It's both at the same time. Group sports are amazing. They are social and community building. And we're going to talk about pickleball on this podcast because my guest is a competitive pickleballer. I love pickleball too. How fun is this going to be? So let me introduce you to my guest right now. Her name is Sam Kelly, and she is an expert on exercise, not only for our bodies, but how to utilize it to deepen our prayer life and to care for our souls. She is the founder and current president of Fierce Athlete Incorporated. She's an international presenter an author and speaker. She was a nine-time high school state champion in soccer, ice hockey, and track, and she played Division I soccer at UConn. Woo. And she is currently involved in competitive rowing, pickleball, and triathlons. She holds a master's in Catholic psychology, a certificate in strength and conditioning, and has extensively studied the theology of the body. Through Fierce Athlete, she desires to reach female athletes, coaches, and parents across the world and change the culture of female athletics forever. She currently resides in Pennsylvania with her golden retriever, Birdie, and she is definitely a Fierce Athlete herself. Hi, Sam. How are you doing today? I'm doing well, Beth. Thanks for having me. Oh, thanks for coming on the podcast. We're really excited for all the information that you have to give to us today. So you are the owner of Fierce Athlete and you created this business. Tell us a little bit about why. Sure. So uh, you you heard this a little bit in my bio, but I was a a D1 um, soccer player and had a reversion back to my faith when I was in college. And so here I am, the only practicing Catholic or Christian on a team of 30 women at a very secular university. And um, it really became my mission to bring Christ and a deeper understanding of the beauty of the female body and the, you know, the body-soul union to my teammates. 
But, you know, that came up against just the very toxic culture that exists in female athletics. Um, Higher drinking rates, higher promiscuity rates, 64% with disordered eating patterns. And so while I helped change the culture, there was still this huge gap. And after college, I went on to become a focus missionary for five years, uh, mentoring female athletes at the University of Texas. But it was my fifth year as a missionary when I when I encountered the teaching of theology of the body. And, you know, I'd been working with women at this point for seven years. Um, that's kind of since my reversion. And, the, you know, it's, it's key to introduce people to Christ. That is the fundamental principle, that encounter with Jesus. But then there was just this huge gap between an encounter with Christ and living a life that was integrated and following Christ. Um, and inside that gap were the identity issues, the body issues, the sexual confusion, the not feeling feminine, all these issues that I didn't feel equipped to address. And when I discovered theology of the body, it was like, this is the antidote. And so following that, the Lord asked me uh, to start a nonprofit specifically for women. There's a lot of great female, or there's a lot of great athlete organizations out there, but none were female specific and none were theology of the body based or willing to go into the hard issues. So that was seven years ago, and here we are. It's it's thriving. It's growing. Uh, I love it. Oh, I love that. And I, I love what you do as well. So which athletes do you actually, like, serve? What What is there? Is it is it primarily soccer? Is it is it all universities? Is it Catholic universities? Or, like, who's coming to you? I mean, it's designed for all athletes. Uh, we are Catholic in everything that we preach, but, uh, the beauty of theology of the body are the truths like that your body is beautiful and good and you are feminine by the fact you were created a woman and we need to take care of the physical and the spiritual. Those truths uh, apply to everyone. So, uh, we primarily, our sweet spot is probably the high school, college pro athlete, serious athletes, but we have, we have plenty of women that follow us that are former athletes that are, weekend warriors, you know, so it's, it's a whole slew, um, of women, predominantly Christian and Catholic, but you know, we're, we're here to serve all. Yeah. That's awesome. So let's talk about the theology of the body. One of my favorites, um, go into that just a little bit. One of the things I do teach in my course as well is that body soul composite and how the body and soul are integrated in every way from head to toe. It's funny. It's, um, I believe it's St. Augustine, I heard this from Father Barron and I, I forgot who was, was that he was actually quoting, but he said, um, it's such a mystery. The body contains the soul and the soul contains the body. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Let's figure that one out. Yeah. Yes. So, so where is that soul? Where is, you know, we, our body is the visible made invisible, but our soul is just integrated into our body from head to toe. It's mm-hmm. such a beautiful integration and it's something I don't think we think enough about. Yeah, I think it's it's definitely a a misunderstood truth. I, I'd say even in the theology of the body world, I gave a talk a few years ago uh, during COVID at an, an online the- world, I mean worldwide theology of the body conference, and I was the only person that talked about any level of like physical working out stuff. Ugh. So it's like. We're, we're, we're missing it, right? Because we are body and soul. You know, it's in addition to that quote, Aquinas says that the body animates 
or the soul animates the body. Yeah. But, but if we're a body soul composite, then I mean, we can kind of deduce this, what we do to the body affects the soul and what we do to the soul affects the body. So if, you know, I say this to my athletes all the time, if you want to be the best athlete you can be, you know, you have to be mentally tough too, but you actually have to have a spiritual life. It's going to mm. aid. But for the, for our, for our Catholic listeners, the opposite is true. If you want to have the best prayer life you can, you need to be taking care of your body. I mean, a simple example, if you don't sleep well, you're not going to pray well. Okay, that's simple. But if you're not eating and fueling your body well, you're going to be sluggish. You're not going to pray well. If you're not getting regular movement, and I'm not talking, I mean, I'm an athlete. I'm not talking about the craziness, just getting outside, letting the sunshine on your face, going for a walk, you know, that is going to help with just brain clarity. It's going to help with spiritual clarity. It'll, it'll help actually, it'll help your body as well. That D3, mm -hmm. that, that all the vitamins, mm -hmm. just be getting out into nature. It, it does something for you. It does something for you. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and all of nature is like singing of the mm. grandeur of God. I mean, we yeah. just had, you know, Romans one, it talks about that. Um, the other day that really struck me in scripture. Um, but yeah, that the, the, the body is so good and it's so important to care for it. Uh, I heard this recently, you treat your body like it's a house you're going to live in for the next 70 years. Yes. It's like, we, 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 we kind of think that the body is bad and the spirit's good. And when we finally die, our souls are liberated. Well, that's actually heresy. Yeah. And we know in the second coming, our bodies are going to be resurrected. So we will be reunited with our bodies. And so even though the body is like, listen, I've had seven orthopedic surgeries. I'm a diabetic. Like my body doesn't quote unquote function perfectly, but even though it's fallen, doesn't make it bad. It's good and it's holy. And those are actually opportunities to offer suffering. And so I know that we can oftentimes be at war with our bodies for various reasons, whether we don't think we're beautiful or we're sick or we're injured or we're aging, right? But but the body is still a beautiful vessel that will one day be glorified, you know, but it's something to treat with such care. Oh, absolutely. You know, even like uh, 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 6, and I know you know this, 1920, it's, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own? For you have been purchased at a price, therefore glorify God in your body. And along the lines of this scripture, I love how you said in one of your YouTube videos that when you are working out, and I believe you said when you were rowing, you sometimes put a picture of the crucified Christ, the passion there, so that you know that you were purchased for a price and that your, you know, your body, because of baptism, we have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And so when you're working out, it's like a holy hour to you. And I, that, I heard that years ago, um, and from you. And I think of that now, like actually everything I do can be a holy hour, but especially exercise and movement and exercise and movement is so important, not only to our bodily health, but from actually getting away from addictions to sugar, flour, alcohol. It's, it's, it's a beautiful filler for the gap. And we can talk about that in a minute, but tell me about the rowing experience and how working out in the gym or even moving, even getting outside to walk a mile or a few blocks, how this can be holy, like a holy hour. Hmm. Yeah. You know, I, I, and granted, you know, I sometimes exercise to an extreme level, but not always, right? Like any form of movement is a way to know Christ in a more intimate way, right? Because when Christ went through his crucifixion, he sweat blood, he had trouble breathing, his muscles cramped, he was thirsty, he was in pain. 
Uh, and then he offered himself body and soul. You know, the bo- his body was part of the offering on the cross. And so, you know, in a small, small, small way, you know, I was on the rowing machine one day and I'm staring at this picture of Jesus and um, the rowing machine is, is I'd say, pretty, uh, pretty painful, pretty paschal. I absolutely um, love it. I love it, by the way. That's one of my favorites. I hate to say oh, it. I, gosh. Don't, I know, but I don't, I don't, maybe I don't row like you row. I, I know I row, you know, like a, like a lay person. I, I don't know. <laughs> Not an athlete. <laughs> it depends. I have a love hate relationship. Um, but, but I, yeah, I just had this realization, like, Lord, I, one, I'm, I'm getting the opportunity to know you more intimately, um, to experience and be willing to experience that suffering, right? Because there was a willingness to Christ entering into the passion. And so I'm willing myself right now to experience this. But also, you know, a, a twofold prayer came from that. One, Lord, in my pain right now, I want to console you in your pain. Um, I want to be a, a consolation to your heart um, and to the suffering that you you go through, you went through. Um, and then secondarily, we know from Colossians um, that we can actually offer our bodies, that we can offer our suffering uh, for the sake of Christ the church, which isn't to say that Christ's um, redemption and resurrection um, wasn't enough for our salvation, but we can unite our prayers and our sufferings with the Lord's sacrifice as a form of prayer. And so every time I work out, I pick intentions to pray for. And that is a motivation for me. I mean, this is, this is huge. It's like, I don't feel like working out some days. I just don't, I, afterwards I love it. Right. But especially when I'm training for something and it's intense, I don't always feel like running that extra mile or getting up early and going to work out. But when I have intentions attached to it, and this is a good motivator for those maybe trying to get into exercise. Like this is a great way to offer and to not cut things short and to put in really good effort and to have the motivation sometimes because there's not enough motivation in ourselves to finish the workout because by doing that, we are honoring our prayer intention, honoring those that we're praying for. Well, I love that because, you know, with delay and pray, we have basically two motivations. It's, it's, spiritual and physical. So some people might want to get optimally healthy. They want to get off their meds. They may have diabetes. They, they may be a hundred pounds overweight. They want to lose weight. They, they want to get healthy. So we have like the bodily, the physical goals that we're going Mm -hmm. for. And then those spiritual goals are who we are praying for the breakthroughs that we're praying for in our own lives. What are we fasting for? Like what it means something. And it helps those two goals will motivate you to, to, get those tennis shoes on to get on that East fast feast cycle of the week, which, you know, I have, I've, I've developed with a lot of help from other people before me and it's just interesting. And exercise actually helps because it fills the gap. I mean, I, there are times when I'll be just like, it'll be a fasting day, like, uh, yesterday, Wednesday, uh, it's a fasting day. And I usually typically only eat one meal. Well, I actually picked up pickleball um, in the evenings on Wednesdays, just to help me get through the evenings. I, I, I just, cause I was like, wow, this is, this isn't easy, but I'm very serious about my fast, very, very mm-hmm. serious about my spiritual and physical goals. And I love pickleball. So I prayed about it and the Lord sent me a group of people and we get together on Wednesday evenings and we play pickleball. It is the most fun. And they're all Catholics. They're from our church. I just, I'm so thankful and we have the best fun. We just meet on the courts. We play pickleball, we laugh and we go home. 
And I cannot tell you the, the community, the sense of community, um, we're talking about church things going on. One of the couples leads a Bible study. One, you know, is very involved in something else like RCIA. And we talk for a little while. We have a great time. Sometimes we go out. Um, I don't eat or drink, but they will. And it's just a wonderful thing. So, you know, talk a little bit about just like even the team sports. I mean, it, oh, the camaraderie that I have just gained from even ballroom dancing, golfing with people, um, pickleball. Those are like my things, but pickleball is phenomenal. And I know you play pickleball, so let me hear it. <laughs> I do play pickleball. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think there's a reason it's, it's one of the fastest growing sports because I think, yeah, it has given people the opportunity of all levels, all fitness types, uh, all ages. Uh, my parents just like became like the pickleball champions of North Carolina, which is hilarious. <laughs> they're like better than I am. Like they're so good. It's so fun. They're very intense. Um, well, at, but at our, at our age, I mean, it kind of, it can become your focus a little bit just because it's like, oh my gosh, this is great. This is something I can do. Oh, and I can beat another couple. Oh, this is interesting. <laughs> yeah. It's just competitive. It's fun. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it is. Um, and to get in touch with that side again, um, and, and I really find the pickleball community is, is pretty welcoming too. So if people Very. have been thinking about trying it, you know, look for some local courts. There's a lot of beginner pickleball clinics and things. Um, and the, and the community is, yeah, it's just really welcoming, but right. Like that's, that is one of the beautiful aspects of sport, um, is the community building the teamwork, the virtue you learn from, um, playing with people that are different than you. Like I play pickleball with people that are very different from me. And, you know, now one of them's reading my book and one of them's listening to my podcast and it's a way to evangelize. It's a way to just love on people and encounter people from different walks of life to be a light to people. And so that's a, that's a great gift and to learn from people. So all those aspects, I think, you know, when we partake in, a community sport or even like a, a racing sport. There's a lot of people that love to walk or run five K's or, you know, all the way up to marathons or triathlons that the community of welcomeness from that, I think is very, it's affirming, it's uniting. It's like the body of Christ, you know, it's, I do it's love great. it. I love it. And another aspect of it, it's just interesting. I find because another aspect, if you go to a large place, like like in our town, it'd be like the racquetball club there. I believe there's 12 courts. Okay. And you sub in, you know, you put your paddle out and you sub into wherever you're going all within these 12 courts. At first I was very, very scared to do that. Um, cause I just wanted to play with my people, <laughs> you know, the, this, this group that I was coming with. And, um, it just took a lot of, um, initiative and the scoring was difficult and some people are better than others, that type of thing. And I just felt like it, it really helped me in so many ways to develop this sport mentality again in my fifties. And there's people in their seventies playing and it's, and it's just fun to see. And people are very kind when you're trying to figure out the scoring and, and where you're supposed to go on the court and, trying not to step in the kitchen, just all of these things. It's actually kind of hilarious. And you're right. There's a community sense there. That's really nice. And I, I would encourage everyone to just try it. If you have some knees left kind of hard on your knees, but, um, 
mine are good so far, so I'm okay. But this sense of sport, whether it's um, ballroom dancing or like I said, golf or whatever your sport is, you know, we, I think it's really great for us to get out of our houses and get out of just like maybe going to the gym and just working out on the elliptical or I have an elliptical downstairs. It just, you know, these, that's great. Cause I do that every day. I, I love to, I'm like you, I love to work out and work out hard, but now I'm trying to get into more of these team sports with other people. And it's really growing my, both, you know, my soul and my love for others mm-hmm. and this community sense, and it's helping my body. And it's, it's getting me away from sugar, flour, and alcohol in the evenings during the week. Just all of that. It's, it's moving me closer to my spiritual goals. Mm, that's beautiful. I love that. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about just maybe starting small. And, you know, a lot of people, they get kind of scared about the, especially women that are older, even, um, you know, they, they, they look at exercise and they say, okay, they see like CrossFit, they see there's all kinds of spinning, spinning now, which I do love. There's, you know, there's a lot of things out there and and it, and it looks brutal. So Mm -hmm. is there a way to start small? Yeah, sure. So I, uh, I have a certification in strength and conditioning. So I actually have a number of clients that I train of all ages and not, not all, it's kind of a side gig. It's not all intense athletes. It's various walks of life. And, you know, some of them, it it is, it is reestablishing just that, that appreciation for movement, I'd say. And I always say, give yourself three weeks because for three weeks, it's going to stink. It's going to hurt. You're going to be sore or you're going to have to fight kind of that, I don't know, temptation not to get up and mm-hmm. move. But start small. I'm a, I'm a big proponent of, you know, it doesn't have to be intense. And, and, and to be honest, I have issues with things like CrossFit and things because they're all high-intensity cortisol-producing workouts. It's okay to mix those in, but you really need to balance. So every day as an athlete, I can't go 110% because I will burn out and I'll also be – yeah, spiking my cortisol, which is my stress hormone, you know, and so having that balanced at an older age, especially more aerobic approach to, you know, get outside and walk for 15 minutes, you know, and then once you find that easy, try 20 minutes and actually seeing your own progress is just huge for our confidence. Other thing, and this, this might intimidate some people. I'm a huge believer in weightlifting, and I'm not talking about lifting heavy, right? At, at certain ages and for certain fitness goals, that's actually not what you need to do. But if you can, you know, get some three, five, eight pound weights, bring them with you on your walk or, you know, in your house, you can look up just some arm exercises and do 12 to 15 reps because that's not bulking. That's not building muscle. That's actually building strength. And especially as we age, things like strength, balance. These things become essential just for, just for being able to move and walk around, right? Being able to uh, enjoy the company of others, the company of our grandchildren, you know, those things come with just taking these, these steps a couple days a week. Uh, and I think the long-term payouts for, are huge. Oh, I love it. I call it fit for the kingdom. Mm-hmm. So I am trying to get fit for God and I used to do orange theory and I have a choleric temperament, so I like to go and go hard. But f- for a while, I was like, okay, wait, I don't, I don't, I know that virtue is practiced 
in the, in the moderation, in the mean. And I felt like I was kind of going to an extreme. Mm -hmm. So I tried to sort of balance that with Pilates and that was okay. And then I finally found my sweet spot and that is strength training with weights. Mm -hmm. And I've actually, I started with the small weights and now I have larger weights. I feel so good. You know, I've hired people over the years for the strength training and now I do it on my own just because I've, you know, I, I, mm -hmm. I know, I know the rules now I know how to do it. Right. And, um, I've never felt better in my life. So my husband and I are going to be going into our sixties and we live on a lake and it is very important to, for me to be able to take care of the boat, to lift kayaks in and out of the lake, to put things away, to winterize our, our house and make sure our, where the furniture goes. And I don't go overboard. I'm not like, you know, Mrs. Hulk and I don't pick up benches by myself. It, I always get help, but I'm taking care of my back and my knees as best as I can. And I'm just trying to be fit for the kingdom and body and soul. And I go to adoration sacraments all the time, but the sacraments and my exercise and what I'm eating, those are my staples. And then, then comes my life that goes mm -hmm. around there. And it's not hard. It's not hard, but you, these things will keep us healthy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I love that you're a strength trainer. I mean, that you have a certificate and you're, you know, really good with that. Cause, um, the weights have really changed my life. I used to just be, I don't know, aerobic, like elliptical, like mm -hmm. let's just do 45 minutes, you know, real hard. Um, strengths building that muscle is just amazing and, and is very, very helpful in all of life. Mm -hmm. The other thing that I wanted to talk about a little bit was just, you know, what, exercise does for our mental health, just mm. like, you know, just our minds, the, the, the dopamine, the, the serotonin, the, the hormones, the neurotransmitters that are happening. I mean, I used to think it was weight loss. I, I used to have this diet mentality and we all do. It's kind of stuck unconsciously underneath us. It's like, it's kind of in there and it takes a while to get those thoughts out and stop dwelling on them and to be able to get fit for the kingdom. Mm -hmm. Um, but the other thing that exercise does for me is, wow, if I am having a day and I am like, oh my goodness, I, I'm just, I'm fighting like a bad mood. Um, for whatever reason, I can go out and take a walk with my rosary and at a nice, good pace. And I feel so good when I come back or I can get on the elliptical for just 10 minutes and I feel so good when I'm done, or I can just put on a 10 minute abs on YouTube and just do <laughs> it. I'm, I mean, it. this is 10 minutes, Sam. Mm -hmm. And I'm like a new person after that. Tell us a little bit about what's happening there. Sure. I mean, well, I, you know, as you mentioned, there's some, there's some really good chemical things happening, uh, in your brain that are, yeah, helping you, you feel good. But I also find too, it, it, it gives you energy, but it just, it gives you space to move and off, but also think and process. You know, I find like when I'm, when there's something that I'm just wrestling with, if I can get out and move my body, I also get this like clarity of mind. You know, it, I think it just, for some reason, I don't even know if I can explain it. Uh, it, it just puts things in perspective. The other thing is, and this is kind of counterintuitive, you know, sometimes I wake up like tired and I'm like, I don't, I just don't want to work out. I'd rather sleep for another hour. And 
you know, working out actually gives you energy, which is, which is kind of counterintuitive because people think, okay, it's going to make me tired, more tired, Uh, you know, but, but that movement, uh, it's just a good, really good reset. It's a really good way that I find clarity. I find that I could actually, as a staff, we allow working out as part of our workday because, and I mean, there's studies done across the board on this with corporate companies. If you allow people to work out, they actually are more productive in less amount of time. So there's like a paddleboard company and they made their coworkers work out whether that's going, I think they had a lake nearby going to paddleboard during the day. And then they were only working for six hours a day and their productivity spiked. And so it's not all about productivity, but it, it, it points to the fact that it, it makes us feel good. It gives us clarity of mind in terms of, you know, mental health you know, it, it, there is that, that chemical boost, you know, I've worked with some people who are struggling with mental health and, you know, this is, this is a staple in, it has to be a staple in their lives mm-hmm. in order to be flourishing. And that is a, you know, that is a daily battle and a daily choice, but, and one that is, you know, s- seeped in immense suffering that I've seen, but just as important as, you know, and I've seen people actually come off their meds and replace, and I'm not advising that by any means that that's something you have to discern with your, with your doctor. And, but it's along with the other help you're getting. Um, it's, I think it's invaluable. Absolutely. I call it expensive dopamine. I mean, there's endorphins, there's all kinds of things that are coming into your your body when this is happening, your, your brain is releasing, working with your body to release all these beautiful hormones and neurotransmitters. But I call it expensive dopamine because right now as a society, we want the cheap dopamine hits. That is looking at your phone. That is sugar, flour, alcohol, uh, processed food. That's, um, Netflix. That's just kind of sitting over here, scrolling through my phone or doing whatever, getting on my laptop, figuring this out. You know, the expensive dopamine, that stuff that lasts longer, that takes a little more work to gather is from nature, is from exercise, is from eating well, is from delayed gratification, is from going slow and understanding that, you know, it's a slow start to these things Mm -hmm. and really caring for your body and soul, going to the sacraments. That's where the real dopamine is, Jesus Christ himself, and just really leaning into being with others, connection, love. And, you know, like you said, for, you know, St. Pope John Paul, that basically it's, you know, our, our bodies are the visible entity of the invisible that we are. So we are, we're literally loving others as we should with our bodies and our souls by exercising together, getting out there, even as a family, even Mm -hmm. just a walk after dinner will help you tremendously. Mm -hmm. So to end this, Sam, tell me what happens, you know, to these, these high school and college, you know, more of the pro athletes, like what kind of transformations have you seen with these women, Mm. with their bodies, just knowing that it's, we have, we live in a culture where, I mean, honestly, parts of the culture think that like plants and the earth are more valuable than our bodies, (laughs) than humans. And that's not true. And I love when I love how you say that our bodies are so very good when God created the world. And when he made the world, he said that the world was good, but then he made our bodies and he said, we are very good. So tell us a little bit about maybe the transformation with these women and finding that we are very good and we can honor ourselves as very good. Hmm. 
Yeah. I mean, to that point, you know, our, our bodies are more sacred, holy, beautiful than the rest of creation, which is hard for us to internalize. It's hard for us to believe. It's hard for us to live out of that truth and place of freedom. Um, 98% of women don't think they're beautiful. And so, um, you know, when I work with women, you know, athletes are very in tune with their bodies. They, obviously, they have the working out thing down, but there's oftentimes a disassociation from the body. The body is just viewed, viewed as some tool they can manipulate or in today's day and age, um, you know, some thing they can flaunt in order to get attention, something that, uh, yeah, maybe they don't view as good or holy or beautiful. And so, yeah, when I work with women, it's it's stripping away those false identities. It's it's helping them internalize the reality that their true identity is that they're daughters of God. Period. Which means, and and this is this is kind of crazy. It means I could sit in this chair the rest of my life and do nothing, or go on to win an Olympic gold medal and cure cancer and live my life with perfect virtue, and God would still actually love me the same. My, when we talk about all this fitness and, and that's not, does has, has no bearing on my worth as a human being. I just am loved as I am. Now, the proper response to the realization of that, I mean, that is the most precious gift that we have is to respond in a way of, I want to live my life in a way, in all aspects of my life and how I care for myself and how I pray that honors and loves and serves the Lord. That is the, that is the response to the gift. That is the freedom that comes from my true identity. And so when I help women realize that, then we help them integrate. We help them integrate the physical, the mental, and the spiritual. Um, we help them heal from the wounds that they believe or that have happened to them or the lies that they believe about themselves and their own goodness so that they can thrive just as a human being and and live like every woman. It's like you you ask her, like, what do you want? And they'll say, like, I want to be more confident in who I am. But really what they're saying is I want to be more free. I want to be more free in the woman that God created me to be, not the masks that I wear or the expectations I feel like I have to live up to or the way I feel like I have to look. I just want to be at peace with myself. And that comes through a life of virtue. Um, that's why the Lord has laid it out for us. So when we can journey with them, you know, each each woman's different. Each woman has a, a beautiful story and beautiful struggles and beautiful gifts and beautiful victories. Uh, and so walking alongside them, being a mentor to them, being an encouragement to them is is the ultimate gift. I love it. I love it. I think we need that. We need to know that our identity is with God and that we are daughters of the Most High King. And that is the most important part. And we can live out of that reality. And that is helpful when we drop like the, the weight, when we drop that weight number, the, the number can be helpful. If you've got a lot of weight to lose and you want to lose a hundred pounds of, of weight, that can be helpful. I need to lose, you know, this much weight so that I can get off my medications so I can get healthy for my family. So I can take care of my body. That's completely fine. But to think that that weight, there's a weight that is going to bring your happiness that's not it. It's in the identity of being a child of God and a daughter of the most high King. And so in a, in a nutshell, that's it. Mm-hmm. And, and I love it. So it's, it's a great, I love what you're doing and I thank you for all of your work and it's wonderful. So you have a book out. Can you tell everybody like how to get to your, 
you know, your website and your book and how to get to you, how to find you. Sure. So it's super simple. Fierce.org will bring you to our website. Um, I did just write a book. Um, It's called Be Fierce, The Athlete's Guide to Growing Physically, Mentally, and Spiritually. It's a little hundred page, very practical. It has a lot of practical to-dos. You know, it's written for the female athlete. I've had male athletes read it. I've had non-athletes read it and all you know, I've really gotten beautiful feedback. So it, it just walks through some of the things we've talked about, but how to um, almost purify our identity as daughters and realize those things that are in the way of that, but then how to integrate, like what we've just said, a proper view of the body and the beauty of the body, how to be mentally tough, which really is being spiritually tough, and then how to how to really establish an intimate prayer life with the Lord you know, that is so key, the sacraments and an intimate contemplative prayer life where I actually get to interact with the Lord on a daily basis. Um, because then I, I listen to his voice, uh, and he becomes my motivator, not the, the loud voices of the world around me. Not so, TikTok. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, um, that's on the website too, or on, or on Amazon. Um, you can find that there. So I love it. It sounds to me, I used to be a high school Catholic high school teacher. And sounds to me like every high school athlete, probably female, could really use a book like this because it's very confusing starting starting in high school, um, maybe earlier. But I mean, sounds like that'd be a great book for high school girls who are who are athletes in any sport. Yeah, yeah, wonderful. Oh, Sam, thank you so much for coming on and giving us a little rendition of what it's like to be uh, a woman athlete and be a daughter of God and to combine those in body and soul. So we will um, look for your work and come back again and keep moving, keep exercising everyone, (laughs) right? That's the way to do it. Yeah. Keep those holy hours going. All right, Sam, thanks so much. God bless. You too. Have a great week, my friends. Keep praying and fasting, and I will talk to you next week. May God bless you and keep you always. Hey, if you enjoyed this podcast, please share it with your friends if it was inspiring for you so others will hear the great message of permanent weight loss by learning to fast off of sugar, flour, and alcohol. It's possible, especially on Wednesdays and Fridays. Our whole world needs us to fast and pray right now. So appreciated. If you are interested in learning more about spiritual fasting and permanent weight loss, then come join my course, Delay and Pray, a 12-week guided course for weight loss through spiritual fasting. You won't go through it alone either. I will be there to coach you every step of the way. This is a group coaching program where you are part of an amazing community of like-minded Catholics who have the same goal as you, to bring about miracles while losing that weight permanently through spiritual fasting. Your purchase includes an online course detailing what spiritual fasting is, how to do it, and all the tools you need to get you the results you're longing for. Head over to my website right now at thecatholicfastingcoach.com and get the details on how to join. And don't forget to follow me on Instagram, Facebook, Pinterest, and LinkedIn to always get the latest daily information to help you keep fasting, my friends. Can't wait to see you in there. May God bless you and keep you always.